The following is an actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast featuring a bunch of nerds stuck in their homes across the country. Listener discretion is advised. We don't know what the hell they're going to come up with next. This is Call of the Deep. Guys, gals, and non-binary pals of audio podcast land, and welcome to another episode of Call of the Deep, a Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition actual play podcast. I am your dungeon master, Mikey, and you can find me on my personal social medias at Pop Culture Geek. You can also follow us collectively at D and D Vibe Tribe Productions. Make sure to give us a like and follow to stay up to date on all the actual play podcasts and pop culture podcasts that we got going on over here. It's a great time and we have something for everyone. As always, I can never do this game alone, so I am joined by my amazing cast of players. We're going to go around, do some introductions, kind of plug any socials or projects they got going on, as well as letting everyone know who they are playing tonight. So to begin our introductions, once again, we're going to start with Wes. Excuse me. Hi, I'm Wes. I'm playing uh, Ominal Akid, the resident warlock. And uh, also playing Mac on Knights of Pain Town. And since there's like 40 of us, I'll uh, let everyone else go. All right, Kilt. And hello, everyone. I am Kiltman42. You will also hear my lovely dulcet tones on our other show, uh, Red Harvest, which is a Deadlands Noir uh, campaign. Over there, you can find me as Barry the Goblin. Pleasure to make your acquaintance, but here you won't hear this voice. Actually, what you'll hear is uh, the voice of Cold Balder, my my uh, uh cryomancer my, or as we like to call him uh sham uh spicy cajun cloud the cajun cloud man <laughs> it's a great yep. time all righty next person to give their introduction and tell us who they're playing is going to be jace if i can find my my mouse hi i'm jace or jc vanguard you can find me on tiktok or i do some things on there you can uh i'm playing tydeck the dragonborn fighter sorcerer who is special and doesn't have a seed legs yet, which is a great time. We'll but never have a seed legs. Probably not, but it's going to be fun regardless. All right. To keep got this no legs, Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> to keep this introduction train rolling, we next have our first Josh of the evening, Josh L. Hello there. I'm Josh, uh, also known as Josh the Medic, or only Josh and you. Called Josh L here because there are two Joshes. Uh, I play Fedden. Hammerstall. He's a dwarf who's just gotten a bit of a hankering for adventure, who has got some good stories to tell his grandchildren. Because, you know, he's a grandfather and a great-grandfather, and he's going to be 287 here soon. He can't keep telling the same old stories over and over again, especially since some dwarves can be 1,400 years old. So he's got a lot of grandchildren to look forward to telling stories to. Although, last episode, not the one we just recorded, 15.1, but episode 14, he got his new moniker. He is hereby known as Murder Grandpa for his ability to flat out intimidate small goblins. That was a beautiful sight to behold. It was great. Make sure to go check out that episode. It was a great time. But to keep this gravy trade rolling, the next person to give their introduction is going to be the one and only JVL. Hi, I'm uh, JVL, John Van Luling, and I'm here playing uh, our druid, uh, Simic hybrid human being, who is just out to let everyone know the glories of uh, the uh, entity known as Dagon. And uh, I am here to try to uh, also uh, be a good party member to the rest of the group. So I'm going to let everyone else get on next, and uh, this is going to be fun. Oh, we love to see it. All righty. Next person to introduce himself is uh, going to be Dakota. Hey, I am Dakota Orishira, whichever. I am playing Soros, our new uh, Owlin monk. Um, yeah, I'm very excited to do carousel and adventuring things. It'll be great. Oh my goodness, the carousel is ridiculous. I love it. All right, next person to give their little introduction is going to be Amador. Hi, it's Amador. I don't do much outside uh, outside of this. Um, 
But today I will be playing your favorite inkle-biting goblin, Corvus. <laughs> Short, sweet, and I love it. And of course, last but certainly not least to round out our introductions for tonight is going to be the second Josh, Josh M. Hello, hello, everybody. It is I, Josh, a.k.a. NG Preacher. I will be playing the party's sexy tank, Darek Valgard. There we go. The sexy tank is back, y'all, in full force. <laughs> unfortunately, we are down a player tonight. Our uh, human rogue, Fila, unfortunately cannot be joining us. But you can make sure to go follow our player. Uh, you can find him at TikTok at John Crosswave. He is making a comeback with the storytelling series. It is a great time. Make sure you go and follow him and show love and support. But with introductions out of the way, let us begin today's episode proper. So last time on Call of the Deep, we got an interesting conversation at the tail end of the one-on-one -on -one fights. Our good old Haragon, Bucky, who was the proprietor of said fights, ended up giving the winners a cool little prize known as a snuggly beast. So that's going to be a lot of fun when it comes into play. But more importantly, upon having this conversation, the group realized that following Amino was a spicy Cajun cloud, so to say. And after some finagling from Bucky, he was able to bring this cloud of gas into a more fitted form, where we come to find out that it is cold and he is now all gassy. We don't know why, but we're going to try to find out anyway, so it's going to be very, very interesting. But upon having that conversation, we also learned a little bit that Tidak's new little bracelet that is around his wrist is the admission ticket that he needs to enter a competition known as the King's Quest, which is a giant fighting tournament that is held on the floating city of Freyla, which he is all too familiar with. Go look, listen to previous episodes to find out all that goodness. But upon being told from Bucky that King Red Axe is expecting them back at the inn to collect their reward, they ended up going outside where they met our new party member as he crash planted into uh, a pile of hay and also getting his feathers wet with some water after uh, reasons from not to mention names, you. <laughs> I gotta give you shit, but it was a great moment. Hey, I saved his life. I mean, you did. You got him wet, but you know, you did save his life, so that is important. But more importantly, after having a brief conversation with the party, uh, our good old Alan Monk, Asaurus, he revealed that he's looking for an artifact known as Kalina's Candor, and that he is from the monastery known as the Great Tree, which some of our party was able to ascertain through the background knowledge and just information they've heard through their traveling. Upon finishing this conversation, the group decided to, after a carousing round on the carousel, and fed and also scoring some more monies by uh, taking out the card shark, they all began to make their way back to the Red Dragon Turtle Inn. And that is where we're going to pick up. So, Soren, for you, again, the rest of you guys, this is nothing new. You've been here in Gunderland long enough. You're already used to everything. The sites are the same. But Soden, for you, outside of just the small little areas of the Great Tree, of the marketplaces and just the residential areas, because everything's kind of more centrally located in the Great Tree, technically this is your first time out in the quote-unquote outside world. And as you're walking through this island nation of Gunderland, you take in the sights of a quaint little harbor town where every you can smell the air full of dewdrop and a hint of salt coming from the sea. You also get a mixture of the fresh crops and fruits that some of the merchants are selling within their stalls. And you also hear the cacophony of many of the residents in the marketplace, children playing, people talking to each other. You've never seen so much variety of life in one place is the best way to describe it. And that sensation of discovering the outside world for the first time is even more enhanced as you are now with the rest of the party standing in front of the Red Dragon Turtle Inn. So on the top of this billboard, is a giant dragon turtle with a red shell. Um, it's very interesting because it's trying to mix more 
uh, Eastern, real world Eastern flavors with the sensibility of Western ideals. It's a mixed mashup of a lot of things. We don't know why it works, but it just does. Ooh. Uh. <laughs> Hello? You need this? Oh, no. <laughs> no. We cannot do that character because John is only the only one allowed to do it. <laughs> I know, but he heard it in the background. You know he heard it. Yeah, in the background, yeah. you just hear someone go, Hello? Do you need this? Hello? Do you need this? Like, Najila, is that you? <laughs> uh, before we head in, uh, one thing, I'm going to pull uh, Derek aside. And I say, though it was a close match, I believe you earned this more than me. And I'm going to hand him the Snuggly Beast because I feel like he's going to need it more than I am. You were the better person and you fought well. It means a lot to hear those words, Hugh. And you fought a very, very good fight. This is the first I'm gonna... one-on-one fight that I've lost in a number of years. And I'm... There was no losing. We were just trying out new things. And as I say that, I'm going to pat him on the back of his uh, armor. There's going to be a pamphlet of Dagon that is going to just stick to the back of the armor just enough because it's wet. <laughs> we'll see if he notices it. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, do you want to notice it? Knowing him and past endeavors when it comes to Derek, I'm going to say I do notice this. I just, I'm just brushing it off like I, I, like I didn't notice. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I still you, I, I'm still giving him the snuggly beast, though. You, you definitely deserve it. The snuggly beast. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Alrighty. So as you guys are, I'm assuming you guys are making your way inside. <laughs> I don't want to assume, but that's why I got to ask. <laughs> cool. All right. So as you guys make your way inside at this point of the day, it's about mid afternoon. So usually you should notice the lunch rush that is coming in. But as you walk into the uh, red dragon turtle, and you notice that it's very quiet. But then once you take a look at the other side of the tavern and you notice who is sitting there, you understand why. Instead of the normal lunch rush that is the madness you s- of it, you notice that at the far end, sitting at one of the tables, is King Red X, accompanied by what looks to be two of his personal knights, kind of standing on either side of him, keeping guard. And as he notices you guys walking in, he says to you, Ah, my friends, (laughs) I take it that you are finished with my request. I love Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, is everything to the satisfaction? Can, uh, how do we say? Well, is everything ready to go for the public? They should have an enjoyable time. I know, we certainly have a time. Excellent, excellent. Well, then I will definitely let the council note that we can officially begin proper tonight. And I see that you also got some prizes as well. (laughs) I do hope you enjoyed yourselves. I know it's a weird request, but I wanted to make sure that everything was ready to go. And if you had a little fun along the way, it it doesn't hurt. I don't know if you know this, uh, Your Majesty, but there is one thing that is a transcendental experience that you must, anyone must experience. If you have not gone down to the back corner of the field and gone to a carousel, it is life-changing. Truly eye-opening. Life-altering experience, if you will. Exhilarating, almost. Masha, I got all misty myself. I... I can see that. Oh, that is something you don't see every day, but, uh, I mean, good on you? As King Red X looks at you cold, confusedly, not knowing what to say at this point. Ah, right. But, uh, as promised, and he kind of nudges one of his guards, and his guard comes over to you guys and on the table just puts a big old sack of coins in front. So just as a reminder, King Red X promised to pay each of you guys a handsome reward of 200 gold each in order to take care of this mission. So inside this giant bag is enough coinage to split so that everyone gets 200 gold pieces each. And I see who weren't there. Yeah, I was going to say minus the verb. Minus the verb. <laughs> and the spicy Cajun cloud. Yes. And the uh, tiefling. No, tiefling was there because you were sitting in the bar. He told you to build two ships for us. Remember? Yeah, he pimped you out. Oh, okay, so I better get paid. You're right. Yeah, you're getting paid. <laughs> But, but your cloud class. has no use for money. But yeah, spicy Cajun cloud and burb void don't get anything. And after handing you all the money, the knight goes back to 
King Red Axe's side. King Red Axe promptly stands up. Uh, all right then. Well, I need to make sure that everything goes smoothly before tonight's festivities. But uh, before I go, and King Red Axe in his very six, seven, six, eight, massive mountain of a man, he stands up in front of you all and kind of catches all of you off guard as he begins to bow and prostrate himself in front of you and says, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for not only taking this fun little request of mine, but I am indebted and you have my thanks, Escort Shield, for figuring out what was happening in Fiskerback. You have my thanks. And he kind of just bows towards you and just thanking you for everything that you guys have done since arriving to the island. We are happy to serve the best we can to make sure that those do not suffer. I agree. Fallon returns the bow with a bit more grace than he's been seen with thus far. Excellent. And Dark so, also bows as well. Mm-hmm. I hate so. to impose upon your lordship's time. Uh, we did meet a traveler on the way back here who is searching for a very specific concept of an nebulous thing and he figured that most royalty know about nebulous things so i i present him to ask if he might ask you a question if you had heard of something same kind of shocked as he had his head tilted to the side in confusion at like all this mass amount of information coming in uh <laughs> well it's it, it's the owl you need to talk to the owl sir so. um your majesty what do you know about kalina's candor there's a moment uh, in that when you mentioned this, King Red Axe's face goes from this kind of jovial expression to a more serious matter. And he kind of just looks straight at you. And why would you be looking for said artifact, young one? I was told it would help in the, the, the search for the specific things. As King Red Axe takes a good look at you and looks at your garb, he just nods his head. Ah, I see. Seems that we have a visitor from the Great Three. I am more than happy to help you, but uh, why don't we take this conversation into more private chambers? Ah, barmaids, is there a spare room that we can use? As the twins kind of just, from the bar, look up and says, Ah, yeah, just go upstairs and just, uh, you can just use one of them, King Redax. And, uh, yeah, though I will say, normally we do charge to use the back room upstairs, but for you, uh, we'll let it slide this time, but no more on your tab. Otherwise, uh, you and the castle owe us a lot from the last one. I know, I know, I promised I will pay you, don't worry about it. Right, as King Red Axe looks at you, sorted. Well then, I guess there's no time like the present, uh, after you. And kind of motions you towards the stairs. As I slowly move my way over there, not uh, not terribly used to stairs. <laughs> so as King Redax and Soren go into the uh, upstairs, into the back room, the twins kind of just have you guys. Well, uh, righty then. Well, I don't know exactly how long they're going to take, but why don't we treat you guys to a meal? From what I've heard, you guys did a great big deal in Fiskerback, and you, Dragonborn boy over there. Your name is getting pretty popular around here. Apparently, you defeated the family, which is no small feat, now that I think about it. I mean, wasn't that hard either. It was just a flick of the wrist, and they all went bye-bye. Well, I mean, maybe for you, but they tend to give a lot of the locals a lot of trouble, but I must say I'm impressed. And in fact, we are so impressed by that, and as well as everything that y'all are doing, Consider this a meal for free on the house. No charge for any of you. Much appreciated. Okay. Uh, all right then. Then uh, let's get orders started. As the twins begin running around to kind of collect orders and begin the meals for all of you, we're going to cut back to upstairs. So, Soren, you enter one of the small back rooms, and it's really only furnished to the bare minimum. There's a small, there's a bed, there's a desk, uh, a chair or some sort, and a small lamp, kind of, to give any light into this room while it is dark. There is a set of windows on the far side of the room that you can open, but for the meantime, they're closed. And as King, you walk in, King Red X kind of follows suit and kind of just closes the door a little bit. 
Well, my feathered friend, uh, I guess, uh, have a seat anywhere and I'd be more than happy to have a conversation with you. He'll, he'll kind of look around for something to perch on and then just kind of walk over to the nearest cushion thing and sit on it. Cool. Um, I'll say, okay, so I'll say that you go to the bed and you kind of just flop yourself onto it. And King Redax just takes a chair, which is comically way too, way smaller for him since he's so tall. But he situates himself on it comfortably enough. Alrighty, my friend. Now then, you're looking for Kalina's candor. May I ask what the Great Tree wants with that item? I was told it was the, the most important matter. I was afraid this is... I only heard the rumors, but if the Great Tree is looking for this artifact, then I'm afraid things have started a lot quicker than I would have anticipated. And... King Redax kind of just pulls out from his coat a small little book and starts flipping through the pages and kind of just turns it around and kind of hands you the book with the opened. What's in the book? Okay. What's in the book? What's in the book? <laughs> and so as you take a look at the book that King Redax gave you on the page, you begin to read the description of the purpose of Kalina's Gandor, which, as previously mentioned, once all three pieces of it are put together, it allows the user to find the most direct path to whatever the user is looking for, whether it be a person, a place, a treasure, whatever. As you read it, the more information that the user has or knows about what it is that they're looking for, it will be able to give Kalina's Gandor a more accurate location of where to go and how to find it. And as you begin to read the legend behind it as well, Kalina's Candor is usually used when things that don't want to be found need to be found. And as you finish reading it, King Redax just looks at you. If the Great Tree is looking for this artifact, I'm afraid that things are a lot dire. And it seems that, unfortunately, it seems that... Nymos has made this move. We need to be prepared for what's about to come. Sorry, Nymos? Yes. Uh, Soren, how familiar are you of the uh, pantheon of the gods and goddesses? Hey, Mikey, how familiar am I with the pantheon <laughs> of gods and goddesses? <laughs> I'm oh, glad you asked that question. <laughs> so, so Soren, for you, because you grew up in the monastery, you were taught these teachings, and in fact, this goes for your compatriots downstairs too. In this world, there is a to there is a pantheon of gods called the Twelve. So these twelve gods essentially make up more or less are responsible, according to religious teachings, legends from historians, whatever form it is. The creation of this world was on the sole basis of the Council of Twelve, which are the twelve gods that are responsible for creating the world as it is now. So those gods, I will post this later with the full details and the names, but really quickly, these twelve gods are led by the quote-unquote mother and father of the Pantheon. Uh, the mother of said Gods or the mother figure for all of these is known as Celestia and the father is known as Nunos and Celestia is the goddess of beginnings and Nunos is the god of time. Now, underneath them is their quote unquote children. So their children include Viasis, the goddess of chance, Lucretia, the goddess of the sea, Drelina, the goddess of chivalry, Zeuna, the goddess of nature, Gadea, the goddess of life, Nymos, the one that King Redax mentioned the god of death, Ozimus, the god of knowledge, Baxdur, the god of art, Ives, the god of peace, and Ayun, the god of justice. Once again, I'll put all those names at a later time so y'all can have them, but those are the 12 that make up the pantheon of this world. And what you do know, Soren, is, is that even though all of them are part of the council, just like any family dynamic, there are people that don't necessarily see eye to eye, and the god of death is one of them. <laughs> so when King Red Axe is referring to Nymos, he's referring to the actual entity, the god of death himself. <laughs> okay, then. But, but is there an issue with, with Nymos? Is... I don't have any concrete information, but King Red Axe 
has a bit of, he looks torn. On the one hand, he wants to give you the information that it is that is important to this conversation. But you can also tell that he's a little hesitant to give you all the information. But after contemplating for a little bit, he looks up at you, Soren, and says, I ask, I ask you this, my feathered friend. What I'm about to tell you is going to more than likely involve you into something that honestly I don't know if you should. And in fact, I believe this is a conversation that I think all of your friends down there need to hear too. Especially since, well, based on what I was able to find out about your friends down there, I think they're a lot more connected to this than they think they know. By all means. You know them better than I. <laughs> right. Well... Let's, uh, let's go downstairs and I can tell them all. And the two of you walk back downstairs and as the rest of you enjoying your meals, look up, see Soren and King Red Axe coming down and King Red Axe kind of sits at a table in front of all of you and just says, my friends, you have my thanks in what you did, not only for the Gundalind, but for Fisker back as well. And I have received word from the Jarl Frostgale over there. That you also went above and beyond in helping to repair Fisker back a little bit. And that shows tremendous heart and tremendous virtue. Which is why I believe that I need to tell you about something. But before I do, Jarl Fraskel told me that you ended up going down to beneath the waves in order to retrieve whatever it was that you lost. I have to ask this. Did you guys come into contact with anybody, a figure, uh, anything out of the ordinary besides the Zawugin that you fought? Aye. So he Ferrin pulls his pack around and begins pulling out four oddly shaped crystal stones. These stones, when we're underwater, gave us the ability to stand in a bubble of air. May I see those? He passes them across the table. As King Redax looks at them, okay, this, this is not good. And he turns to the group. Did you all happen to meet a, uh, a man of some sort in some sort of ashen gray skin, black suit while you beneath the waves? Yes, I remember. I remember him. Did he say anything to you? Uh, anything important? Uh, anything at all? Well, other than the fact that he also knows the Rajanis? And that we should come find him. King Red Axe's face just, his, the color just begins to drain from his face. You mustn't go after him. You, I, you mustn't. That he is a very dangerous man and you cannot play into his hands. Because it only spells disaster. Oh, this is, this is not good. This is not good at all. There is one other thing. But first, and he signals for the twins to bring over some brandy. I think you need fortification, my lord. Yes. And he'll bring out the leather-wrapped bundle that contains the totem that was first from the spaceship and then from the bottom of the sea. <laughs> that he's been carrying in his backpack this whole time. Right. right. Okay. So as you push those things across the table... Oh, he doesn't push that one across the table. That one he okay. unfolds because oh. of the way the king's been acting. And he's going to keep it close enough he can cover it back up if the king freaks out. Right. Okay. But you do show him the... What yes, it, I show him the totem. Okay, cool. Just wanted to make sure. So after throwing back the shot and kind of looking at you fed in with the idol and kind of peeking at it was... Oh, alrighty then. Well, at least you got the idol back, but things have gotten a lot more complicated than I thought. My friends, I think it's time to know exactly what it is that you're holding in your hands, as well as the extent as to... The person you met beneath the waves. Forgive me for interrupting you first, but do they have anything to do with the Raksasha that was stalking one of our party members? From my knowledge, I'm not too familiar with any Rakshasa in cahoots with the Rajani's or Ayun, but anyways, uh, do you happen to know of the Rakshasa's name? Well, I didn't get it, no. I'm going to be 100% honest. I kind of forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't there. I have an excuse. <laughs> it, I'm I so like sorry. Sebastian, but I think that's wrong. It, it's fine. We'll retcon it in. But Corvus, you're from, you give King Red Axe the name. 
No, that, oh, no. If it is who I think it is, things just got even more worse. Alrighty. Well, let, uh, let me begin by saying this. What I'm about to tell you is going to seem unbelievable and belongs in stories that you tell children and even flights of fantasy. But uh, I tell you all, this is real. And after everything that you've experienced, I believe that you deserve to know the truth of exactly what it is that is going on. All of you are familiar with the Council of Twelve, the pantheon of gods and goddesses that made this world. Sure. Jesus. His non-existent eyebrows. <laughs> Has a little bit with like squidding. Can I go up? <laughs> it's like the Chola's sharpie eyebrows. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Um, right. Well, uh, they are more real than they are legend. And uh, beneath the waves, you all had, well, in this case, you all met with one of them. You had the conversation with Nymos, the god of death. And if that means he is, if you met him, that means that he and the rest of his siblings, or some of them, are making their move already. Which means they must be looking for Kalina's candor as well. All right. And King Radax kind of just sits. Let me start from the beginning. So when this world was put into creation, the Council of Twelve were all given dominions over various facets, death, nature, uh, life, all that kind of stuff. And for the most part, they all did their duties and they watched over those domains. But of course, like any family, they began to fight and argue with each other. Uh, one sec. This podcast brought to you by Squarespace. <laughs> Do you have a campaign that you need to find the notes for quickly? Build a nice little archive on Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can do hundreds of designs, and there's lots of facets to help you create your own website, too. Don't forget the hidden links that you can find in Squarespace that you make yourself. I wish we were sponsored by Squarespace. <laughs> Link below. <laughs> Link below. Also, Sorry don't forget, that. we are also sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope, we can't. We can't promote that, especially if we haven't had an actual contract with them. <laughs> I mean, we have a contract with Squarespace. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. They're going to listen to this be like, now nah, on second though, let's not. Anyways. Oh, pretty okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Where was I? Ah, yes. But of course, like any family, they begin to argue with each other and fight over their domains. Naimos and some of the siblings decided to try to overthrow the parents, which ended up not working out in their favor. They were punished, and they were stripped of some of their power. But if Naimos is looking for Kalina's cantor, I can only imagine that he is trying to... He is trying to reawaken Caligula, which, if that happens, and if Caligula makes her way back into the world, it is only going to spell disaster for all. So, Hugh, Derek, and to some extent, Soren, you three are very familiar with the name Caligula based on Hugh, based on your studies from the Cult of Dagon, Derek, your studies from the Baron and Baroness, and then Soren, from your studies at the Great Tree. Caligula is said to be the... Celestia is the mother of the Twelve. Caligula is the grandma to both Celestia and to Nunos. Caligula is the one responsible for creating the mother and father of the Twelve. Think of her as like the equivalent of the Titans from mythology and the pantheon of Greek gods and goddesses were the ones to kind of take down the Titans in order to prevent them from destroying the world. And essentially, that is what's happening here. <laughs> Seems like this is the perfect time for so many of the old gods and spirits to be returning to our plane of existence as if there's something coming we don't understand fully. And unfortunately, it seems that whatever it is Naimos and his cronies are doing, and if they're looking for Kalina's candor, we need to stop them first. I don't know more information than that, but what I do know is this, and I hate to ask this of you, 
especially since you only came here to answer my call of helping the Yar of Fisker back. But you have proven yourselves to be worthy allies and worthy heroes. So I ask you, would you please look for Kalina's candor? I can't. Well, I guess since you asked so nicely. May I speak now, Corvus? Sounds like a fair story. (laughs) But uh, I don't know about the rest of the group, how far they will go, but I'll search for it until the ends of the earth, if I must. Oh, it might be interesting. Might be a little fun. And I promise you, if it's a reward that you seek, I will more than happy to pay you handsomely. I know it's short to know this, but you nine have proven your worth, and I would be more than grateful for to give you anything that it is that you want. Any ideas on where we should start? Uh, was there something in the shipwreck that you found? A, a letter, a, a map of some sort, anything. The more information that we have, that, the better. I pull out a map from my bag. Oh, that's right. You have that map piece. <laughs> May I see that, my young ASMR friend? I just unfurl it and set it down on the table in front of all of us. Okay. So as you give this and unfurl it and put it onto the table for all of, for King Red X and for the rest of your compatriots to see, once again, this map is just a crudely drawn sketch of the uh, Sea of Swords, but mostly it's a crude sketch of the three coastal cities. So Neverwinter, Baldur's Gate, and Waterdeep. And written on the map is some sort of code with the three circles kind of around the three cities. So I need to ask this question. Does anybody have a sailor or pirate background for their character? Does the cloud have any of those? Cold? Uh, what is... You have a sailor background, correct? Oh. Kilt. Kilt. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Does Cold have a sailor background? Yes. Okay. Good to know. So as the rest of you are deciphering this and called, you immediately notice that on this map, you notice that the code that is written, you can decipher it really easily because this is the code that pirates use in order to exchange messages across to each other and kind of use shorthand in order to write messages to be deciphered by other pirates who know the code. You are able Uh Y'all know this is a short hook, right? A what? Short hook. You know, pirate slang. It's pirate code, huh? The first I've heard of the existence of a language known as short hook. Yeah, uh, second that to me. I'm learning a lot today. Well, I couldn't call it peg legs. You don't write with your feet. I mean, you may not, but some people may have learned that skill. Could be important. Hugh, Hugh, I, I love you dearly, but shut up. Well, how would you write if you have two hooks for two hands? It's a figure of speech, Shaw. How would you do it if the... Hook is short. Also, Hook wrote it. Well, at least that's how it was translated to me. <laughs> this. But anyway, so cold. As you look at the code, you're able to decipher that each of the three cities has some sort of small message above it, as well as the circles. As you work out the code in your head, you notice that this is the order. So make sure you all write this or somebody does above the city of ne- Neverwinter, the code is deciphered out to Rod. Waterdeep's word above it is Crown, and above Baldur's Gate is I. So Neverwinter, once again, Neverwinter, Rod, Waterdeep, Crown, Baldur's Gate, I. What is your spelling of I? Like I or I, matey? E-Y-E, as in the part of the body that helps you see. Okay, so Rod is in a penis, Crown is in a thing you wear on your head, and I is the thing in your head. Got it. If that helps you remember it, sure. <laughs> and more importantly, called you notice that there's one more message kind of scribbled off to the side of this crude sketch. When you decipher that code, it says, find the three and the light will guide the way. Never was good at real show. Who wants to take a crack at it? What was it one more time? Uh, that last bit? Yeah, the riddle. Yeah, the riddle is, is <clears throat> find all three and it will light the way. I, I think it's just saying if you find all three pieces, it'll show us something. 
Yeah, that was how it was described before, that you put the triumvirate of the forces together and they will lead the way to what, what you need, like a master sword or a legend of Zelda of some sort. It, it, it all makes sense in my head somewhere. I'm glad we're all together. It would be a shame to go alone. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Take this. It is dangerous out there. You guys are great. <laughs> <laughs> so, as Cold finishes deciphering this, King Red Axe looks at you all and says, I don't know how you stumbled upon this, but I believe, my friends, that you have, you have gotten a message that leads to the location of the three parts of, the, of Kalina's Candor. According to the legend, in order for it to work, you need to assemble the three pieces, the rod, the eye, and the crown. And only then will those three guide the user to whatever it is that they're seeking. And after we've been guided there, do they just stop working? Or each hand of the next person works again? That, my friends, I do not know. Some historians believe that it can be continually or loose, but others have said that it is a one-and-done type of thing. The only true way to know, I guess, is to find the pieces and try it out ourselves. You know, I have never heard a historian say it's a one-and-done type of thing before, but, you know, there's always room for interpretation in historians and historical texts. This, this is a new saying to me. Yes. Sounds quite academic, actually. I mean, I have heard them say, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, but never one and done thing. That I've heard, that I've heard. Mm-hmm. Can confirm. Can confirm. Definitely can confirm. Right. Well, I, I guess I just need to make sure all this information that is presented to you, do all of you wish to accept my, re my quest of collecting the three pieces? Of Kalina's Gantor. I was here to do so anyway. Any company would be much appreciated. I mean, if it's a one and done thing, I mean, we must get to it because if, if someone else uh, uses it before us, then, you know, we, we can't use a used up old relic of some sort. That would be the sloppy seconds of that. It'd just be weird. You, around you, everything is sloppy seconds. And moist. I appreciate that. And when they said that, I just. It just dawns on me that I still haven't taken that pamphlet off my shoulder. <laughs> and I just look at everybody and go, tell me about it. <laughs> right. Well, I appreciate all of you accepting my request. I guess the only thing left to do is decide where should we... I say we. I say we, but King Red Axe is referring to you. Uh... I guess the last thing to decide is the, which city you are going to head off first. Well, we can either try for the temple to get our cloud friend restored, or Waterdeep was the next spot we go. I didn't want to ask, what's with the cloud? I am right here, Sha. <laughs> the talking cloud, I'm sorry. Thank I'm you. Sorry. At least, yes, he seems to have lost his corporeal body and also followed around our, our shipwright friend over there as a... a vaporous fog of some sort that could be linked to his digestive issues. Truly, I am learning a lot today. <laughs> and no one's digestive issues. That's just shit of you to say. I am just going based on what we observed you as. You were a cloud hanging around someone that it just did not seem to dissipate. And whoever smelt it, dealt it. Hugh, I thought you knew better than that, Shaw. Then you knew wrong. I believe we should go see the cleric first, though. If we can get you into a more permanent form, it might be behoove us for that, because you seem to have a, a a hiccup in your in your your form every once in a in a while, and it, it seems to throw you off a bit. Well, Sha, yes, definitely a hiccup there, Sha. Yeah, we, I'd rather you not have a hiccup in the middle of a of a fight in the middle of the ocean or other things. You get blown off deck and become part of a tempest somewhere. Well, let's hope we don't storm them too quickly then. Well, if you're uh, looking for a temple, then I do recommend you heading up to the mountains. There is a shaman that lives up there that I believe could potentially help you, but I do warn you, she is a bit of a... How do we say it nicely? She's a bit of a recluse and a more... And she's a very spirited individual. So I recommend that you take off tomorrow morning. Because Sounds like we should bring booze. 
I mean, she's not against drinking per se, but however you wish to do that. But what I do know is, is that once your friend is back to a more suitable form, I guess, and he works out his stomach problems, as you say, I will do whatever I can to aid you in this quest. But for now, keep what has been shared between us. I do not wish the inhabitants of Gardenland to find out exactly what potential dan- danger lies ahead for our, l- our world. I must keep the peace and not let them be afraid. Lead by example, perhaps. I believe we can agree with that. I will not. I don't believe we'll speak to that. And uh, now, if we could get the barmaids over, I believe our dear Ferrin here needs to be hit on by them a bit more, for it makes us all happy to watch him squirm. Mm. And oh my goodness! So with that, King Redax kind of just excuses himself to go handle the rest of the festival business. Hey Um, King, you need this. Hey King, you need this. (laughs) (laughs) So. For the sake of it, you guys enjoy your time with the twins. You guys end up having a good time. And you guys have decided that in the morning, you are going to head up to the mountains, to the temple, to hopefully get called back into shape. So as you guys rest and lay your heads down in for the night, as you drift off to dreamland, so this will count as a long rest, but you end up all awakening and finding yourself in kind of this hazy fog of some sort. And I want everyone real quick to give me a quick perception check. Good at this. 22. Okay, that's 22 for Soren. 13 for Fedden. Right. Perception. Perception. <laughs> so there's that. 10 for Hugh. 21. 21 for Tidek. Okay, and then 19 for Corvid. Okay. Damn, y'all are great. So, everybody who rolled above a 10, the first thing that you notice is is that despite being in this fog, you can't necessarily see way too far in front of you, but you notice two things. Each of you notices that your other compatriots are standing nearby you, but more importantly, as you kind of move your body a little bit to try to get a closer look at your compatriots, each of you hear some sort of metallic kind of jangling of some sort. And as you each look down at the source of the sound, you all see that in different parts of your body, you find these very metallic silver kind of chains wrapped. Um, some of you have it on the wrists. Some of you have it around your ankle. Uh, some of you have it around your neck. But as you take a look at these chains, you start to feel the slack begin to tighten and you all begin to find yourself being pulled by the chains deeper and deeper into the fog. As you struggle to pull back against what is pulling you in, you unfortunately lose that battle. And as you lose your footing and kind of continue to be dragged, you come face to face with this large kind of black misty cloud type of individual and just in this very grandiose booming voice you hear what seems to be a female voice and as each of you look into this black abyss of a being you just hear the voice begin to say let's see whose strings you end up being pulled mine or theirs Take this as a warning, my young adventurers. Do not know what it is you're about to embark on. But should you continue this journey, you best be prepared. Because I will be returning whether you want me to or not. And as this black mass begins to form, you see a large female figure kind of adorned in this purple velvet coat with the same kind of purple fur lining the hood of it, and her skin is a very pigmented kind of plum purple kind of color. Her eyes are a sharp onyx black with small white pupils. No iris, just the pupils. And as she looks at you, there's a sinister smile that crosses her face and says, Now, let's see what these 
new toys of the gods can do. And I will make sure that you understand the full force of what it means to defy Malikula. And in an instant, you each wake up in your bed covered in sweat, not fully understanding what it is you were dreamed of. But each of you in your rooms come to the understanding that whatever it is that is happening, stakes have never been higher. And each of you comes to the realization that your lives are about to change and only time will tell if this will be something for the better or if it will just make things a whole lot worse. And on that, we're going to end tonight's session there. <laughs> How the hell did I get covered in sweat? Yeah, he's I mean, like... I mean, he's, he, he is condensation, but Same here, you I get the really... point. I mean, I'll condensate all over the place, but still. Well, but you'll shock yourself if you condensate. <laughs> oh my goodness. But for those of you that stuck around for this episode, thank you so much for listening. When we come back with the next section, with the session, episode, whatever you want to call it, our party's going to attempt to get Cold back into his physical form. What lies at the top of this mountain? What kind of individual is this shaman? And more importantly, with their first glimpse of Malikula, what in the hell is about to go down as we begin Chapter 2 proper? Well, you're going to have to come back next episode to find all that out. Until then, thank you so much for listening. And as always, remember everyone, take care of each other, love one another. And until next time, let the good times roll. See you later. This has been the Call of the Deep podcast. To support us, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your auditory escapism in podcast form. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review. Even our intrepid characters are no match for the insidious algorithm, especially without your ability to cast aid on our stats. The music in this episode was Prepare for War by Alexander Makarada. You can find all his music at serpentsoundstudios.com. Tune in next time for more hijinks from the darkest depths of the sea on the call of the deep.